you've heard us talk about this, and, and um, our father, our pastor, my wife and I, our pastor, uh, John Arnott, will often say, we're all on three journeys. There's an inward journey, there's an upward journey, and there's an outward journey. And so even all of our values as a church, our fire values that we adhere to, uh, really encapsulate that in three words, the inward journey, the upward journey, and the outward journey. The inward journey is, is really... Uh, for ourselves, where we allow God to dig in the garden of our hearts so that we can actually allow him to touch deep areas in our hearts so that walls come down, so that we can engage him and receive all that he is and, and his love, you know, the Father's love. That's a big thing. Ken was talking a lot about that. Um, so that's the, there's the inward journey, there's the upward journey. So, so inwardly of discovering um, really, you know, areas in our own lives that are blocking us from experiencing everything God has for us. And then there's the upward journey where we connect with him as a loving father. And it's so interesting because as his love starts to explode in our hearts, we realize that he knows everything about me. So why am I trying to hide in shame, fear, and control and trying to, you know, guard myself from this when, I, when he knows it anyway? And he's not this angry guy upstairs with a stick that wants to beat us if we're not perfect, right? And so it's a liberating, it's mind-blowing, liberating. As our hearts begin to get healed inwardly and the walls start coming down, suddenly we begin to experience new revelations of his love. I remember the day that the penny dropped for me when I'd, I'd heard this, and I'd even preached, you know, sonship and things like that, like I'm a son and how exciting that is, that's great. But the, when the penny dropped and it was like, whoa, I'm actually a son, it's not, nothing that I can do in my actions or try to perform to receive more love or affection or acceptance from my Heavenly Father. It was like mind-blowing. It was liberating. It was, it was what year was that? It was, it's interesting because revelation is often progressive, isn't it? It's like you get a taste of something, it's like, whoa, I'm reborn again. I'm like born again, again. This is mind-blowing. And then you go on a little while later, and it's like, whoa, you get a greater revelation of something. It prog it's progressive. And so that's, I believe that's what it means when it says we're being changed from glory to glory, from, from one measure of glory to an increasing measure. So we're always moving higher. We're always growing deeper and going wider. Okay, then. All right. So... I was going to make a joke, but I'm not going to make a joke about that. So, so there's that that happens. I remember, though, it was probably 2010 when we were at this event, Mel and I, and um, we just were really got the revelation so deeply of, like, we started dealing with some inward stuff, and then we got a revelation of the upward stuff, and then the outward journey then is walking it out and sharing that love that you were talking about to hurting people. And I said to Mel after, I don't know how many years we'd been in ministry then, but it's been about 25 now, and so minus nine, I guess, so you do the math. We're in this thing, and I, I said to Mel, I said, hon, there's hope for people. Like, there's actually hope for people. Like, before, you do ministry, you, like, preach, you, the good news, the gospel, all that good stuff, and you'd hope that people would get it, and people would, you know, lives would start changing and that sort of thing. But we didn't have a concept of really allowing the Lord to deal with heart issues, number one, in us as leaders, but then number two, sharing that with other people. And so that was a big game changer for us. So you've heard that said before about the inward, the upward, and the outward journey. But the hands and the heart, hands, and feet is a little bit like that. We're going to take six weeks and we're going to look at, um, first of all, the heart. I, I believe that if the heart isn't whole and becoming more and more whole, 
our, our ministry or what we do with our hands and engaging in culture and engaging in local church, engaging in where you work and that sort of thing, and the feet, like taking the message out from your life, your house, it's going to get really, really twisted and people are going to get a distorted view of who God really is. And so we're going to unpack this. We're going to spend time dealing with heart issues. We're going to spend time talking about the hands and how we can engage and get involved in things. And then also then the feet, how we can go out from where we are and actually be the occupying army that, uh, that God's called us to be. I think I said it last two weeks ago. I think I said this. Maybe it was three weeks ago. The army that God has, we, we're part of. If you're a believer, you're part of an army. And that army is not a fighting army for victory. It's an occupying army. That's why he said, occupy until I come. He said, like, take territory. Make this place look like the place where you've come from. The kingdom, his kingdom, that the kingdom of our God in Christ shall, shall be released in the earth. And it will look like something. So we're called then as an occupying army not to fight for a victory because we already have the victory. It's to actually enforce that victory in the earth and occupy the ground so this place looks like that place. So that when he comes, when he returns, the second coming of Christ, when he returns, it's not going to be like, oh, this is really foreign to me. I don't even understand. This is a different culture than I'm used to. No, he's, he's, it's like he comes in and he experiences his culture in the earth. Okay, well... That was good. About that, though, listen to this. this is, there's some interesting thoughts. No other event has ever impacted the world so much as the resur- resurrection of Christ. And I'll give you an example. This is amazing. Jesus never wrote a book. He never had a book tour. He never had product that he sold for his ministry. And we're not against that. I, that's great. But he never wrote a book. He never wrote anything down that we know of. I mean, he drew in the sand that one time, right? But he never wrote anything down, and yet there are more books written about Jesus than any other subject in the world. Isn't that crazy? How about this one? Jesus never composed a song, but there's more music written about Jesus Christ than any other subject, bar none, in history. Isn't that wild? It it, it even gets better. He never drew any pictures, nor did any sculpture or artwork, but more art has been made about Jesus Christ than any other subject in the history of the world. This is wild. This is really cool. Jesus never traveled more than 100 miles from where he was born. And yet, you can find followers of Jesus in every nook and cranny of the the inhabited world. Think about that for a minute. You know, we want to talk about impact, and we want to talk about, you know, engaging culture, and we want to see transformation takes pl- take place. But there's something about Jesus, the simplicity of Jesus, that is absolutely mind-blowing. And uh, so this, this whole thing, this whole hard hands and feet thing, is really about the simplicity of seeing and having impact, just like Jesus. To just nudge your neighbor and say, you look like Jesus. All right, so let's, let's do this. Let's start with this. I'm just going to give an, an overview. And um, I'll give an overview of just the heart, the hands, and the feet. And then I'm going to share, I want to share some things um, just as uh, almost like a family chat. So picture yourself in the living room when we get there. All right. In Proverbs chapter 4, 23, many of you will know this verse. But what does it say? It says this. It says, above all. Somebody say above all. Above all. Above all. So 
Above everything else, everything else that you can think of, above all, it says guard your heart, for out of it flow the issues of life, or even every issue of life. So above all, guard your heart. And so when we start talking about the heart things, it's interesting how um, we talk a lot, I think in Christendom, we talk a lot about outward stuff and doing things. And I know I was raised in a culture where I felt guilty when I'd hear somebody preach about evangelism or somebody would talk about India or some missions thing or something like that, and I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, oh, yeah, those guys over there, they're doing it all, and what am I really doing? I'm not really doing anything, and I'd just put, you know, condemnation on myself and guilt on myself because it was always about the going and doing, 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 doing. But Proverbs says there in chapter 4, it says, above all, guard your heart, like tend your heart, tend to the garden of your heart, for out of it flows every issue of life, Okay. Another heart, good, good heart one. Let's, let's camp out here. Let's go to uh, Matthew um, chapter 22. No, let's go to Matthew 21, actually. No, let's go to 22. There's good stuff in 21, but let's hang out in 22. Um, it's interesting. How many have heard a message on the Great Commission? Matthew 28, go therefore, make disciples of all nations, teaching them everything I taught you and right? It's a great thing. But I have a quick question for you. What came first, the Great Commission or the Great Commandment? The Great Commandment, right? And so I think sometimes we get this backwards and we start getting involved in the feet thing, but the heart thing is behind schedule. You know, you've heard it said that the heart is a slow learner. Have you heard that before? There's actually a song about that. But anyway, the, the heart is a slow learner. And, and, and he's saying here in Proverbs, he's saying, guard your heart. Above all, guard your heart. Tend your heart. Um, and, and understand this, I heard somebody say, you know, you don't want to give your heart to too many people because you're going to get hurt. And I'm, I heard that and I'm like, eh, I don't really buy, I used to buy that, but now I don't buy that. I don't freely just, you know, open up to, you know, every Tom, Dick and Harry and let people into the intimacy of my heart and my, all that kind of stuff. However, uh, it's not talking about guarding your heart, like put walls up around your heart so you don't get hurt. Because that's where the life comes from. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, tend to the issues of the heart. Stay sweet in spirit. Keep a soft heart. Because out of your soft heart flow every issue of life, right? And so, uh, anyway, so yeah, let's get into this here. In the great, the great com, uh, commandment comes before Matthew 22, then later on in 28. But it says this. Verse 37, here's the great commandment. Um, it says this. It says, and he replied to him, because they're talking about the commandments to keep and all that kind of stuff. And he replied to them, you shall, this is like number one, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind, your intellect. And this is the great, most important principle, first commandment. And the second one is like this. You shall love your neighbor as you do yourself. These two commandments actually sum up the law and all of them, the law and the prophets. So Jesus is making it very, very simple. It, he's basically saying this. He's saying, love God, experience his love, and then out of that place, love other people. But that's a heart thing. Uh, one, of our, one of the slogans that, that is over our church and all the Catch the Fire churches is to experience the love of the Father and to give it away. That's kind of like a mission statement. There's a few, several different ways to slice and dice that. But that's the big thing. And Ken was talking about this morning, how the love of God is transforming people in India, right? And uh, it's the love. Every, it all comes down to love. Love, love, love. I need your love. 
It's all, it's all about love. And so, anyway, you see this here. Uh, it's interesting, though, that it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart. Somebody say heart. And your mind and your soul and your strength, your intellect, all that kind of stuff. But a lot of times, we, 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 tr- we can get it here, and we can get it here in doing stuff. But the deep part of us is where the issue is. And that's why we want to cultivate our hearts. We want to, I, I, I know Claude and Yvonne are back with us today. Their ministry, RTF, Restoring the Foundations Ministry, is an amazing tool. There are many, many tools. There are many tools that can help you deal with heart issues. How many have ever had any kind of uh, spiritual heart surgery, whether it's RTF or, you know, Sozo or whatever kind of stuff? Like, Just give me a wave. How many would say it was, it was not beneficial at all? Give, hold your hand up real high. Okay, all right, good. How many would say it was, it, was, it, was, it was good? There was some transformation that took place through it. All right, cool. That's really cool. I kind of thought so. That wasn't a trick question, but sometimes you've got to see where we're all at. A lot of times, though, that's the case. We, 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 wanna, we, we love God, but we love God based on if I do this, he'll do that, not just the overflow of love that he first put in us, Right? And then we get it upside down and lopsided because we start going out out of duty and doing things because we think we have to to earn something from him. And then if you really boil it down, then he says the number two is this, love your neighbor as you love yourself. I really feel that the issue in that is not that people don't love their neighbors, but the issue is people don't love themselves. Okay, let's go. (laughs) So if I have a poor image of myself, and if I don't love myself, the love that I love myself with, self with is, is, is going to be released. However good or bad that is, is going to be released to my neighbor. So the deal is, if I, if I don't love myself and I feel like um, I need to perform to earn and I need to, uh, I'll never measure up or I'm, I'm, I'm uniquely and fatally flawed. If people really knew wh- who I was and what I was like, they'd reject me. Like, if those are the thoughts in my head, what is that love going to look like to my neighbor then? If that's my mindset. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Think about that. So that's why it would be fair to say that we should probably get the heart stuff settled first. So that out of that place of a healed heart. And understand this. We don't make it. You don't just arrive and it's like, okay, I did that. Check check that box off. It's an ongoing process. It totally is. It's not like you just get one thing and it's all done. I've already done that, you know. I've already done that stuff. I don't need to do that again. No, it's a, it's, a, it's a continual process, really. So, how many people are perfect? <laughs> so then we, there is one, yeah. So then the, what I'm saying, my point is this. There is something then that we can actually partner with the Lord on, and it has to do with heart stuff. So, we're going to get into that on our intercessions during the week. We'll do that. But... Um, now let's go from here. Let's go take, take that in your mind. Think that foundationally. The heart, loving God, receiving his love, being set free in our heart to love ourselves. You see, when you truly love yourself like the Lord loves you and you start to get a revelation of that, you'll stop comparing yourself to other people. It's so liberating, so freeing to live a life where my value and my worth isn't dependent on how highly you think about me. And I said this many times. It's not that I'm careless, but I'm carefree. I'm free of care, of caring what other people might think. Or my, do you understand what I'm saying? So it's an amazing thing. Let's go like this. Let's go to um, 1 John chapter 4. Let's 
This is right before maps. You guys are quiet today. That was actually a joke. It's right before maps. Ha, 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 ha. You know the maps in the Bible? Okay, all right, good. Okay, I'll show you a picture. Some people are visual learners. Okay, here's some. All right, it says this right here. First uh, John uh, chapter 4, let's pick up in verse number 7. Beloved, that's you, that's me. Let us love one another, for love springs from God, or love is from God. And he who loves his uh, fellow men, born of God, is coming to know and understand and perceive and recognize. This is amplified. Clear and clear. He who, he who loves God loves his fellow men. And he who does not have love, hasn't been acquainted with God, actually never knew him, for God is love. If you don't have love, you don't know God. That's what he's saying, the bottom line. What? That's kind of serious, isn't it? And then he says in verse 9, In this love God was made manifest or displayed where we are concerned. In that God sent his only begotten unique son to the world that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. So this love is not that I first loved God and then he did something for me. No, 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 no. The reason we love him is because he loved us first. And so we get a revelation of that. We respond to that. So it's, the picture is not like this. Paul says it in Ephesians where he says, I was dead in my, when, when you were dead in your sin and your trespasses, God got a hold of you. It wasn't that I was drowning and he threw me a life ring, you know, and it like bonked me in the head and I'm like, okay, there it is. And I grabbed it. No, no, you were actually at the bottom of the ocean dead without hope. And he actually reached, he initiated it. He reached down and rescued you. He saved you. He sanctified you. He filled you up. He exalted you as he was exalted. His resurrection was my resurrection. His death was my death. You get the picture. And so it's, he's, saying, he's saying the same thing here. He's saying, we don't love because I decided to love. The reason that I love is because he first loved me. It's just so amazing, you guys. It's not about performing to get somewhere. One day we'll get there. No, 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 no. Guess what? You're there already. Yeah. So anyway, so we carry on. And then he says this. He said, um, not, that God, not that we love God, but he loved us first. Verse number 11, he says, Beloved, if God loved us so, we also ought to love one another. See, there it is. We experience it here first, and then it goes out from here, right? Okay. No man has at any time seen God, but if we love one another, God abides and remains and, uh, in us, and his love is brought to completion, its full maturity, and runs its full course in us. How many want God's love to run its full course in you? That's what I want. And by this we come to recognize or understand that if we abide in him, and he is in us because he has given us his Holy Spirit. And you can go on and on. There's, that, that's a meaty passage of Scripture. You, I encourage you just to read it on, on your own. But the bottom line is, what I'm, what I'm trying to get at here is the heart first. Nudge your neighbor and say, heart first. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump head first into this. No, no, I'm going to jump heart first into this. Hey? Think about it. Think about it. The more, you're, the more your heart gets healed up and the more you begin to respond and you, you, you actually can receive. Ken said something. He said, I had a hard time receiving many times. 
I used to be like that too, where I'd have a hard time receiving. Be a hard time receiving a compliment from somebody. Be a hard time receiving a gift from somebody sometimes. Well, listen, you're more blessed to give than receive. And how many understand the principle of sowing and reaping and giving and receiving? You're actually, by me not receiving from somebody else, I'm actually doing them a disservice because I could be robbing them of something that God wanted to do in them. Do you understand what I'm saying? So I would do this all the time. It'd be like, you know, um, somebody would compliment me. You've heard me say this before. They compliment me. Hey, T-Dog, that was great. That was really good. And I'd be like, oh, no, no, it was, it was God. It was God. And I like this line I heard somewhere. I don't know. It's like when somebody says that to you, they say they give you a compliment or you give them a compliment. And you're like, Eric, that was amazing. And Eric's response to me is, oh, no, no, it was Jesus. It was Jesus. And then you look back at him and say, well, it wasn't that good. <laughs> but the, the deal is, the deal is, if I don't, if I'm not living in a place where I'm actually okay with myself and I love myself, then when somebody says that to me, I just say, thank you. In fact, I think Jonathan talked about that last week. I don't know if he talked about it on a Sunday or sunset. Okay. Anyway, the point being is to be able to receive and to be able to give, you've got to be able to receive. Anyway, so... Um, so we love him because he first loved us. Now let's go here. Let's go to Colossians chapter 3. Y'all got phones, it sounds like. <laughs> Don't hear any paper turning. That's all right. Colossians chapter 3. Let's grab it in verse 17, okay? It says this. And whatever you do. Somebody say Whatever. Whether in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Dependence upon him as a person, giving praise to God, to the Father through him. And then it gets real juicy here. Ready for this? Wives, be subject to your husbands. And all the men say, amen, yeah, yeah. Anyway, you got to understand, you guys, listen, I, I was talking to our kids. We were hanging out in the hot tub the other night, and we were talking, to, we were talking about stuff and marriage and dating and stuff and whatever else. And I, I went into, it's in Corinthians where Paul unpacks it a little bit. And he actually says, you know, um, husbands. And he, he, it's not like one or the other. Do you know what I mean? Sometimes we like read that and we're like, that's right, honey, submit. You, need to, you know what I mean? But you're missing the big picture, okay? The big picture is this. Paul says in Corinthians, he says, actually, uh, wives, you know, your bodies aren't even your own. And then he flips it. He doesn't just leave it there, though. And then he goes into husbands, too, you know. And so it's not, it's not this lording over. It's a mutual preferring one another, right? And it's a mutual thing that happens. And then he takes it a little farther and he says, he says, actually, husbands, love your wives and um, do it like Christ did. What did Christ do? Well, he gave himself to the church. He gave himself to people. He gave, like, he gave it all away. Now you're going, ooh. Yeah, and all the women said? <laughs> Amen. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, I'm not, that's not my point here. I just thought it was funny because every time, husbands, love your wives, be affectionate, sympathetic, don't be harsh or bitter toward them or resentful. And all the women said? Okay, children, obey your parents. I know the fire kids aren't in here, but children, obey your parents. There's the next one, right? Come on. Listen, if you don't have kids yet or you want to have kids, and you, this is a good time to get this foundation in you, you know? <laughs> and he says, children, obey your parents. For in, the, in everything, for in this, it's pleasing to the Lord. And then he says, fathers, do not provoke your, your children to wrath. Or don't, don't, don't like... Don't poke them and try to stir them up to get angry. 
<laughs> I knew that was coming. I knew I'd be able to pull that out of the front row. Yeah, yeah, I just knew that was coming. <laughs> actually, what I was doing is I was poking her. To actually, yeah, no, anyway. Okay, thank you. So, um, and then he goes on, he says this, he says, verse 22, servants obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not only um, when their eyes are on you, as uh, pleasures of men, but in simplicity and purpose with all your heart because your reverence for the Lord and sincere expression and devotion to him. Whatever may be your task, somebody say whatever again. Whatever may be your task, work at it heartily as if, as if you're doing it for the Lord, not for men. Whatever you're doing, like that, that's, that's something, I understand I'm going through, there's quite a bit of stuff here, but just listen to that. Whatever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord. Not, not for, the, for the reward of man, but to the Lord. What would my life look like if everything I did, I did with all my heart as it was unto the Lord? What would that look like? Whoa. Honey, could you vacuum? No, I'm not. Are you kidding? I'm, I'm tied up here right now. Well, what do you do? Well, I'm watching TV, you know? <laughs> like, just think about that. Like, this gets real. This is like rubber meets the road, like. Anyway, but doing everything, whatever you may be doing, your task, work heartily and doing it as unto the Lord, knowing that it's from the Lord and not from men, you will see, receive the inheritance, which is your real reward. The one you are actually serving is Christ the Messiah. So it's not, it's, I'm not doing this, I'm not, I'm not coming to help Ken set up because Ken needs help. I'm doing it as unto Christ the Messiah, Right? You understand what I'm saying? Like, like, what would our minds really be like? Picture this for your job, wherever you work. Just think about that. I'm driving to work. I'm doing a job for someone. Or if I'm self-employed, I'm working and I'm doing something. But I'm engaging my heart in it because I'm doing this under the Lord. I'm not just doing this because it's a way to make money. I actually venture to say this. If you started putting your heart behind your life as unto the Lord, I, I'm sure of it that the riches of fulfillment and yea, verily, the riches and provision of God in your own life will, will change. I think some people are in that, that thing called the rut that I've talked about. They're in a rut because what they're doing is they're doing it for the wrong reason with the wrong motivation. My job is not my provider. My paycheck is not my... See, if you're, you, your job is your provider, your paycheck is your provider, if you're doing it for a paycheck. What he's trying to do here is he's saying, get your focus off that stuff. Jesus said it one time, didn't he? He said, seek first my kingdom and my righteousness, and all this other stuff will be added to you. It's where your focus is, where your head is, where your, your desire, all that is. And so he's saying, do it unto the Lord, and all that stuff will work out. That was exciting. And then, he, and then um, let's just keep, so, so yeah, let's just, I'm going to read that one again, verse 24. Knowing with all certainty that it's from the Lord and not from men that you will receive the inheritance, which is your real reward. You're actually serving, the one you're actually serving is the Lord Jesus Christ. So with that, having that being said, so we're talking about getting the heart stuff right, talking about the heart. Somebody say heart. Good. Then we're talking about the hands, okay? Hands, somebody say hands. Okay, good. We're on the same page. So we're going to look and get, dig into that. Now the hands, that's, that's, that's a huge, huge um, spectrum, a large spectrum of where you could be involved. But in particular, I want to talk about 
your hands and your involvement in your hands and what you're doing, let's just make it real easy, in your own home to start with, okay? Like in your house, like in my house, my home, with my family. How am I engaging? How am I engaging in my family? A lot of people, I hear this a lot. I might have said it a lot at one time too, I don't know. But that's between me and the Lord. But we've got these issues, and I'm like, man, I wish home was better. I wish, I wish we could, you know, see this happen or see that happen. But the truth is, I haven't put my heart into it and engaged my heart in my family in getting involved in serving my family. You know what I'm saying? And so engaging not just, not just, so when you engage your hands in something, tasks to do, things to do, I remember this is really funny. One of the biggest testimonies that we had coming out of our, our week that we did, uh, it was a couple years ago now, but the first time we went through um, heart issue, heart stuff, we invested a week, and we met with this couple, and they went through all these issues of the heart. It was amazing. But the funny thing is, is Mel had this light, and uh, she wanted this light fixture put up in her bedroom. Remember that, hun? It was this, this light fixture, and it had, like, dangly things on it. And so when the light hit it, it would kind of do this funky thing in the room. Not like a disco ball, but just like, you know, it just... Anyway, and, and yeah, actually, there's another switch on it. We just get it spinning. <laughs> anyway, so, so, so she's in her sessions. I'd gone through some sessions, and this light had been sitting there in our room for I don't know how many months. And she'd asked me how many times, Trev, could you put the light up? Could you put the light up? Whatever. And after a while, it was like, stop telling me about the freaking light already. I'm sick. Of, like, stop nagging. Why are you such a nag? You're just nagging me all the time. And then you know what happened, though? As this, we went through this week, I go home. My session's done. It's in the morning. I get home, and Mel goes to her session. And I'm sitting there. I walk in the house, and I see this light. And I thought, oh, I guess I'll put it up. Not even thinking of it. And so I take the light, and I flip the breaker, and I pull the thing out, take the wires off, the grommets and all, blah, 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 put it up, boom, it's up in there, great. Didn't even think, I didn't even think anything of it. Like, I didn't think, oh, she's really going to love me. This is going to be amazing. She's going to think I'm amazing. It wasn't like that at all. I just did it. Like, it just was a, it was a byproduct. And Mel comes home, and she goes, you put the light up. I'm like, yeah, I put the light up, you know. Oh, honey, thank you. And she gives me a big hug and a big kiss. And, and so... But I, I'm, I, but, and I, did, I hadn't even, but I hadn't even thought about it. Do you understand what I'm saying? So what happens is when your heart starts to get on track and things start working out in your heart, out of that, your hands are just the byproduct of what's happening in the heart. And so it wasn't like, oh, finally I got that done. Not at all. And so it's interesting. And I wasn't even cognitively thinking about, I'm doing this under the Lord. I'm doing this under the Lord. You know, that wasn't it. And so... Anyway, so we're going to talk about that, but we're also going to talk about not only your family where you can engage and get involved, but your local church, okay? So if you're involved, if you're from another church, we bless you where you are. That's amazing. I would just say this to everybody. I would, I would just trumpet this everywhere I go. No matter where you are, wherever you're plugged into a community of believers, whether it's a house church or a, a corporate church like this that meets in a building like this from different people, different places, whatever it is, Engage your hands in the work of the ministry. Get involved. It's amazing how people, how people think that stuff just happens, you know? 
Oh, wow, he came here this morning. Look at that. There's a chair for me to sit on. Amazing. Oh, wow, yeah, I'll drop my kids at Fire Kids. They're going to get, that's amazing. That's great. Oh, look, we've got this team here. That's wonderful. That's great. Like, we don't, sometimes we don't think about it. And that's the deal. I've said this many times. I'm going to come to it again. When it comes to the hands, we want to develop a culture in this house and whoever else comes in from time to time, and they can take it to their house if they want, but a culture of contribution. My, my, once my heart gets right, my hands want to get active. I want to get involved in something. I want to, I want to, and, it, and it's a decision to be made where I'd engage and start helping out. And you know, just, I'll just run through this quickly because we only have five minutes left. Um, there are so many areas to get involved, okay? It starts at, it starts at regarding this, you know, in a local level, in a weekly level. Tell him I said hi. In a weekly thing, we need help setting up. We need people to get engaged and set up. You know, when we first started Catch the Fire Winnipeg, we started in a house and there was about a dozen people there. And then we, then it grew from there. And then when we started, we moved into the building at Fort Richmond Collegiate. And the, the deal is with the core people that we had, it was like 12, then it was 50. And it was about 50 or 75 when we actually moved to a building. And we just said to the people, we said, listen, guys, it's all hands on deck. And it was amazing because I'd go pick up the trailer, 7 in the morning, bring the trailer to the, to the building. There'd be people there, sometimes a few, then it grew, and, you know, and uh, we'd set everything up. And then people would be in pre-service prayer. And then from pre-service prayer, they'd go into the hallways and, and be like people would be walking in. They'd be hugging necks and high-fiving and, you know, doing all kinds of shenanigans, praying over people and stuff like this. It's like really, really seeker-friendly. New people come in like that. You got these people, hey, I want to pray for you. What do you need, you know? And anyway, but it was a culture. That was the culture, you know. And I'm not, I'm not this is not a spank, okay, per se. But I want us to do the things that we did at first. Remember your first love, you know. And, and uh, forget, that, you know, don't, don't, just, don't just think that, well, now that they've got going and there's some things happening, they got someone in place, they got a bit of staffing here and there. No, it's not time to disengage. It's even ever more so time to engage with your hands. Just nudge your neighbor and say, he's talking to you. So you've got the, you've got the, 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 the hands. Um, it's, as, it's as easy as this. Just as leadership, um, you know what, I get this lots, because we, we know that our mandate as leaders, like when I say our, I mean like my wife and I, we know that we have a, a mandate to be involved in multiple places, multiple locations. That's why we've been helping in Edmonton, helped a little bit in Saskatoon. That's not going to decrease. That's going to actually, we're going to be going out and helping and pouring in and that kind of thing. That's something that's written on our book and our scroll. But we get it a lot, you know. Oh, we missed you today. We missed you. Too bad you, I'll get a text. Hey, oh, we missed you at church today. And I totally appreciate that. But guess what? When you're not here, we miss you too. It's so true. So when I talk about the hands and engaging and getting involved, let's start real, real simple. Showing up to church. <laughs> On a Sunday, yeah. Here I am, you know. And I've said this before, even, even in engaging with your hands. Um, and, and listen, you guys know my heart. This is not a heavy. It's not like, oh, you got to be there. It's not this. you got to be there every week. I mean, we'd love it if you're here every week. That's great. But do you understand what I'm saying? The deal is... People need you. Wherever you're, whatever community you're a part of, if it's a home church or it's another church, whatever, plug in and get involved. Engage there with your hands because people need you. 
forsake not the assembly together. It's not to grow big crowds. It's because he knew something. I need you in my life. Iron sharpens iron. I need to have relationship and community with other people. One of the, one of the greatest lies of the enemy is the lie that I need to isolate myself and withdraw. I saw that out on, on, what was it, what was it, it's on Facebook or somewhere on social media, and I'll butcher the quote, but it's a neat thought, uh, where it says, you know, um, you know, an orphan would say, oh no, I hope my dad doesn't find out about that, but a son would say, oh no, this happened, I need to go talk to my dad, right? And in the body, our hands engaging, serving, getting involved, showing up, being there, and then it goes from there, not even just that. And I totally will talk about finances. It's amazing how many people, and I know it's not the case here, but it's amazing how many people would, would think, um, I'll come here, you know, I'll, I'll be part of this body, and it may not just be this church here, but anywhere where you're part of, okay? Because I understand we have guests that come and go and that kind of thing. But wherever you go, wherever you connect, where your heart is, there you're treasure will be also. You want to know where your heart is? Huh? You want to know where your heart is, what your heart's into? Just go look at your bank statement. I'll tell you where your heart is. Well, it's like really quiet in here. <laughs> yeah. But, and then, and then we talk about things like this, like tithing, okay? Tithing is not even in, some people argue it's not in the New Testament. I could give you an argument that it is. I could also give you an argument that it's even beyond that. But to me, it's like this. Tithing is just like an entry level. I give back to the Lord. Okay, you know, Malachi says the Lord's tithe. And he talks about our offerings. He also talks about giving alms, you know. When you give alms, you're, you're actually lending to the Lord. Isn't that amazing? When you give alms, like to the poor and needy and stuff, you're actually lending to the Lord. And I don't want to get really, really sticky about this or hard on you on this, but I want to tell you something. As you begin to engage with your hands, you begin to engage with your time, you begin to engage financially, um, you can watch and see, you'll see God transform your life. I know what it's like. When we first started tithing, we tithe personally, we give offerings personally, but when we started doing that, I remember what it was like. When it was like, if I give this tithe, if I sow into this, how am I going to pay for that bill that's there. It's interesting though, now I know it's Old Testament, but the, the deal was where he says in Malachi, and test me in this and see if I won't prove myself faithful. Right? So that's been abused a lot in the past, but it doesn't negate the value of the truth that it is. If you engage the Lord with your finances, he will look after you in all areas of your life. Now, having said that, if I'm going to engage the Lord in my finances and yet on my own personal life, I'm watching a TV that I don't own, I'm sitting on a couch that I don't own, I'm sleeping in a bed that's on credit. Like, you need to have some practical things going on in your mind to actually say, you can't just throw it all, I'm just going to give to the church and everything's going to be looked after. No, you need to use your, your head too, right? And so one of the things too is, I don't know if we'll get into it deeply in this, but in terms of budgeting and, and, and planning and financial planning and that sort of thing, right? It's not just a one-off, I'm just going to dive into this this way and not be smart about things. You know, it's the spirit of wisdom and revelation. So you get a revelation of this, but use wisdom. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Okay. So anyway, areas to get involved, hands, serving, giving, attending, all these different things. Um, yeah, the deal is too, this is kind of interesting. 
in the kingdom today, in the church world, let's say, let's put it this way, in church communities, we have owners, we have renters, and we have squatters. Really? Uh, here's the deal. What would it look like? What could God do with a community of owners? Do you know that an owner, when you're, when you're, you're an owner of something, if you own a business or a company or whatever, you're an owner. Okay, we're going to bring it in for landing. If you're an owner of something, how many know that the owner actually applies himself differently than, than the, like say the renter or the, or the squatter, yea, verily? You actually, you're engaged. It's like when you're an owner in something, it doesn't shut off. This is your life. You're in. This is it, right? Imagine what churches would look like all over this city and in this province if people came, put their hand to the plow, they got their hearts right, they began to serve and engage, and they lived as owners. Wow. I want to tell you something. Transformation will be a simple byproduct of ownership. So having said that, I'm just going to get into a real quick family chat now. The last one's the feet. I don't have time to get into that. But um, when we started the church, we were actually, you know, we've always felt that there's going to be a location that we get, a, a facility that we're going to have. We, we, we believe that we live in Manitoba, so it is good to meet indoors, especially in the wintertime. <laughs> I had somebody say to me, why would you put money into a building, you know? And I'm like, well, because we can't fit everyone in a house. And we do feel that our mandate is to gather together like in a building, whatever you're where you're at, you just do what you do. However, um, and because we're in Winnipeg, we could use, you know, buildings. So then uh, along came this, um, our church went through a bit of a shaking where, where um, we were growing and then we began to deflate in terms of attendance-wise, right? And uh, I know some of you were part here when that was going on, some of you weren't, but whatever. But the issue was, in the, in the whole shaking, what God began to do is he began to deal with hearts, leadership hearts, uh, you know, people involved in leadership, also just hearts of the people. And, and things started happening there. We started engaging at that level. By the way, nothing surprises God. We actually had a prophecy about it before it even happened. We're like, oh, I don't like that word. Let's just get rid of that word. <laughs> Guess what? We had a word. We got a word. Uh, I think we'll, we'll probably put sections of it because some of it's personal, but some of it was good for corporately. On the website, the prophetic team from Catch the Fire World uh, called us up on Tuesday, was it? And they said, we just... We just want to give you this. This is something we were praying about, Felix, for Catch the Fire Winnipeg. And so they, about eight of them just began to prophesy one at a time uh, about, uh, and that would be too much, wouldn't it? Uh, began to prophesy about what God wanted to do. And, and I couldn't, be, I mean, that sounds, no, I, I could believe it, but it's like, wow, God knows exactly the timing and what he's doing and what he's saying. Absolutely amazing. So anyway, so... Um, Shaking happened and that sort of thing, and we, we, we decreased in our size numerically and that sort of thing. But the deal is, with it, we also decreased in our size financially. It's just the way it went. So where we're at right now, in the middle of all that then, we have this glorious gift that comes forward. And someone has said, we want to help get you into a building. So we started looking at buildings and that sort of thing. And we've been announcing that and sharing. We looked at this. We looked at that. We looked at that. Trying to find our fit. But all along, when we first started the church, we always felt um, we, we want to be able to really engage evangelistically with our feet and going out and that sort of thing in the community where we're going to be planted. And so it, we've almost been like um, nomadic people as a church for so long. And so truth be told, as leaders, I feel like maybe we haven't said, hey, let's just bloom where we're planted while we're planted here and go after like the neighborhood and that kind of thing, you know. 
So we haven't done that as of yet, but through this whole process, we started looking at buildings and stuff. Then we, the, the donor that said they wanted to help us get into a building, he said, hey, I don't want to put a noose around your neck by giving you this chunk of change to help you get into a building, and then you're not as a church able to sustain it, right? Does that sound like wisdom? I think it sounds like wisdom. I said, absolutely. So we started to look at it really, really closely. And the truth is, right now where we are right now, we actually physically, uh, financially could not sustain what we, what we would need to sustain to be in a facility and stuff. So we decided, actually, we just chatted as a board and leadership um, recently, and we said, you know what? Why don't, we, why don't we put a stake in the ground right where we are right now? Let's say, this is our home right now. I'm not going to complain about the smells. I'm not going to complain about, I'm actually going to do everything as unto the Lord. I'm actually going to engage my heart. I'm going to engage my hands, and I'm going to engage my feet. And then somebody said, you know what, we need to do a prayer walk. Let's get out in the community and start walking the community and praying for it, praying over the houses in the community. Let's start doing outreach into the community. So these are all things that are, that are coming out where we're going, that are starting to develop here. And so I feel like, I felt when, when we decided that in our hearts, I felt like a shift. I don't know if it was just a shift in me or if it was actually a shift, something happening beyond that. But what I, what I decided is I said, Lord, we're going to engage wholeheartedly in our heart. We're going to engage wholeheartedly with our hands, putting our hand to the plow. The truth be told, there are so many areas to get involved. We need help in kids' ministry, like big time, absolutely big time. We need workers, volunteers, hall monitors, all kinds of stuff. We need help with setup. There's so many different ways. There are so many different ways to get involved. You want to get involved? Start going to War Room. It's our midweek prayer thing. You know, that's just one thing. There's a young adults thing happening, youth thing happening, all these different ways to get involved. And yet, sometimes I think we do have a mindset of renters where we're not really engaged in saying, yes, I'm going for it here, you know? And so um, Isaiah 54 talks about this. I'll just close with this. It says that we're supposed to stretch out our cords, lengthen our cords, and, and, and put our stakes in, your, your tent pegs. Like, actually make a, make a stand and say, hey, ready or not, here we are. And I really feel like the Lord was challenging us to do that. We're going to kick this off, like I said, May 2nd. I wanted to give you an overview, though, and say, um, so I want you to pray about it. Some of you might know already, but I want you to pray about it and ask the Lord to speak to your heart about your engagement and what's happening, right? So things like this, like uh, we haven't done it yet, but things that are coming down the line. Um, in this whole area here that we're in, this, this community that we're in right here, there are thousands of people in this area right now that do not know Jesus, that need to encounter the love of God. And we as a leadership just said, you know what, we're going to actually put a stake in the ground and say, this is where we're at. We're going we're to actually go for it right here. We're going to bloom when we're planted right here. And I, I feel like with a heart like that, people saying that are part of our family that are saying, you know what, we're, we're going to do that too. I, I would just prophesy this, that we're going to see a turn in all these things we're talking about, engagement, finances, all that kind of stuff, where we will be able to get into our own building. I get that. Maybe we'll buy this building. I don't know. It's not for sale. But do you know what I'm saying? Are you hearing what I'm saying? So I want to close with this. Could you just go and grab those, those uh, there, back there? That would be great. Either you or you. Or you. <laughs> I, w I went to Home Depot this morning, early this morning, right when it opened. I thought, what can we do to kind of take home something from this, this morning? Heart, hands, and feet. There we go. And I got these. I got a bundle of steaks. 
and I, it's, like a, it's almost just like a prophetic sign, you know? Somebody said, are we here to kill vampires? <laughs> These wooden stakes. But uh, here's the deal. I, I want to do this. Just Here's our close today. Here's our, here's our wrap-up. Here's the, here's the thing. Um, if you're here this morning, and, and I, there's no pressure on anyone. You're not, you're not, if you're from another church, actually, if you want to take one for your own home where you're at, that's great. But if you would say, you know what, I, I want to engage my heart. I want to engage my hands. I want to engage my feet in what God wants me to do. I want you just to, as a prophetic act, just to come and get one of these stakes. You can take it home. You can write on it. You can write different things that you're believing for, different things that you're, you're saying, God, I'm, I wanna, I'm believing for this. I want to see this in my life. I believe this is a promise that you have over me.